Hear ye, hear ye, word nerds. Be forewarned that this podcast contains saucy language of the modern and early modern varieties, so plan your listening accordingly. Or don't. That's a choice that you can make, but don't say we didn't warn you. So three minutes later, <laughs> after after several false starts and several me thinking that stuff that happens in the Spanish tragedy is in this play, uh, should we... are very similar. I, yes. Well, all revenge tragedies are, aren't they? Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Should we Shall do the we thing? Start? Are you ready? Yeah. I yep. guess you start this week. So yep. are, are you ready, Whitlock? Yes. Yes. Ooh, yeah, I'm ready. I'm pumped, coach. Get Put hyped. me in, coach. Get hyped. Okay. Okay. Welcome to the Hurly Burly Shakespeare Show. We are your hosts, Jess Hamlet and Aubrey Whitlock. And together we are Whamlet. And this week we're talking about the Revengers tragedy. What up, T Mids? Yeah, every week we will discuss a different play by our favorite guy, William John Ralphio Shakespeare, at what we call the 101 level, except mm. when we're not talking about Shakespeare, except when it's a Middleton play or someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, should have changed that. Eh, it's okay. Our favorite guy, Thomas John Ralphio Middleton. Mm, there it yes. is. Fixed it. Money, uh, please. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so that is uh, and introductory stuff, everything that you need to know to have a general understanding of the play and its major themes and some other cool stuff that you will get nowhere else. Like our opinions, man. Yeah. And uh, because we ran out of rhetorical devices right at the end of season two, we have a new feature that we're calling a taste of text. Does it make sense that we're doing this before we've introduced the plot or the characters or what's happening at all? Should this go somewhere else? Maybe. Maybe we should do this after the summary and before we talk about stuff. Yeah, that might be a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So shall we skip this and then try it again at the end? Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Okay. So to get Never us started, <laughs> yep. Really, really fast uh, refresher course on Thomas Middleton. We have talked about him a fair deal on this podcast, especially this season, right? Not right. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like a we've lot. done. We've done, have we done? I guess maybe just two this season. This is the second one this season. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we've talked about him a lot. This is our yep. fourth episode on Thomas Middleton. Yep. Uh, his other plays that we have done, that we have episodes for, are The Changeling, The Witch, and Chase Made in Cheapside, uh, as well as I think he shows up in at least one, if not more, of our Macbeth episodes, because he worked on that also. Oh, yeah. But another of his fantastic plays that is definitely coming up this season is another revenge tragedy, Women Beware Women. Mm, so I look forward to that if you're wait. really loving the Thomas Middleton theme this season. Yeah, that's in the spring, question yep. mark. It must be. Yeah, we after this, we're taking a left. hiatus from Thomas Middleton until the yeah. spring. <laughs> Good. Okay. So... Yep. All right, so before we jump into any summary, we all always like to give you a five-word unhelpful title. Mine is, which Revenger's Revenge is which? Question mark? <laughs> I couldn't resist. 
Also, there's a lot of revenge happening by what multiple revengers. <laughs> I mean, I know Vindigi's like the revenger, but still, yeah. In a, a play lot. called The Revengers Tragedy, there's yeah. like a lot of revenge. Yeah, so I mean weird. that that apostrophe in Revengers could be on either side of the S, and it would still be accurate. Is all mm. I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so mine is Dead Girlfriend Skull Puppet Show. Yep, that too. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's that a thing happens. that happens in this play. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's amazing. Sure and we're going to get to it. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about the characters in the play so that we can tell you who is Dead Girlfriend Puppet Showing. So we're going to start with Vindice, who is uh, nominally the titular Revenger, but he is often in disguise as Piotto. Yes. He has a brother named Hippolito, sometimes called Carlo, inexplicably. They have a sister. Her name is Castiza. Gratiana is a widow and is their mother. There's also the Duke. He doesn't have a name. And then there's the Duchess. She also does not have a name. And importantly. Oh, right. She's the Duke's (laughs) second wife. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. So then there's Lucirioso, who is, I don't know, one of like the best named characters ever. Like... Yes. Lucirioso. Mm. Yes. It's just, it's a good name. Okay. So he is the Duke's son from his first marriage, and he is the heir. So he's the heir to the Duke. Yes. He is the Duke in waiting. Yes. The Duke has a bastard son named Spurio, who's his second son. The Duke and the new Duchess, the second Duchess, uh, have Ambitioso. He is the Duchess's eldest son and therefore the Duke's stepson. Yes. I made that maybe more complicated than it needed to be, but that's all the relationship that you need. You just everybody just needs to know that they're a blended family with mm-hmm. a lot of adult children mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Um, the Duchess's middle son from her previous marriage, his name is Super Vacuo, yeah. which is also a fantastic name. Yes, um, it's great. the the youngest son of the Duchess, the third son, uh, is the hilariously named Junior Brother. Yep. <laughs> Which is also like one of my favorite names ever in the canon of early modern drama. It's like we've got Spurio, Ambitioso, and Junior Brother. Yep. And Super Vacuo. Yeah. And Lucirioso. Yeah. Junior but Brother. Junior, junior I think Brother. Middleton just kind of ran out of steam when it was time to name that fourth or fifth yep. brother. He was yep. like, mm, I'm done. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. There's also this guy named Antonio who's a discontented lord at the Duke's court. He has a wife who doesn't have a name and question mark is dead before the play starts. She is. Yeah. Yeah. And she has been raped by junior brother. So that is that is the sort of the inciting incident, uh, if you will. That is the action that has happened before the play starts uh, is that Antonio's wife. Uh, has been raped by Junior Brother, and she kills herself? Is that she how does. she does. She kills herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So her body makes an appearance on stage yes, later. it does. But she does not talk. She's no. just a body. That just a body. Yeah. Great, yeah. Um, so that's, it's it's a nice tight little cast of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Middleton dispenses with the subplots in this one. It's all just one big revenge plot. So <laughs> it's not... Th- that many people to keep track of yeah there's also like yeah. some assorted lords yeah. and gentlemen and shit but like yeah. they don't matter yeah no they don't so why is this play so goddamn popular 
I'm not sure it is. Oh my fucking god, yes it is. I mean, to you. But like, scholarly. It is not popular performatively. Yes. Um, oh my god, though. Scholars love this shit. Anyone who has ever read this play is like, holy hot damn, this play is amazing. Because it is because of reasons that will become clear once we mm-hmm. walk you through the summary because yes. holy hot damn this play is amazing uh yes. but no it is not um mainstream popular this play mm. is uh i don't have a good analogy so never mind yeah i mean all i know you know from the notes that i read in my collected works of middleton was that you know it, it was fairly popular in its own time uh, because revenge tragedies were super popular. Yep. Um, Middleton took all of the fun tropes from all of the other existing revenge yep. tragedies and put them in this play. Yep. So like it was a guaranteed hit, and then it dropped out of popularity for like three hundred years ish. Yep. Uh, and then like in the eighties or nineties, the RSC picked it up. The Anthony Share played. Yeah, and it's Anthony Share played. Later. I'm going to talk about it played Vendice and yeah. like it was kind of a big deal. I think we've done it at the ASC during a Ren season at some point. I would be shocked if that were not true. Yeah. I remember John Harrell talking about it. Yeah. Like we so. I think we've done it. <laughs> um then again, we just discovered we haven't done the Spanish tragedy yet. And I don't know how that happened. So yeah. um it could have happened with this one too, but I'm pretty sure we did it. But like still it's yeah, it's under underperformed I feel like, though, I feel like there's a lot of fun spectacle in it. I would Mm -hmm. like to see it performed Mm -hmm. more often. It's summary time. We will now summarize Revenger's Tragedy for you in a segment that this week we're calling Unlike Vindice, we won't take nine years to get to the point. Nope, sure won't. You ready to time it? Uh, yes. Great. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. Uh, whenever you are ready, my girl. Okay. All right. Act one. Nine years before this play begins, the Duke poisoned Vindice's betrothed lady, and he's still bitter about it. Vindice's brother Hippolito brings news. The Duke's son, Lucurioso, wants him to find a young virgin that he lusts after, and the brothers decide that Vindice will undertake this role in disguise to give an opportunity for their revenge. Meanwhile, Lord Antonio's wife has been raped by the new Duchess's youngest son, Junior. He brazenly admits his guilt and even jokes about it. Classy. The Duchess's other sons, Ambicioso and Super Vacuo, promise to free their brother who's been arrested for the rape. The Duchess vows to be unfaithful to the Duke, like to punish him or something. Spurio, the Duke's bastard son, agrees to be her lover, even though he secretly hates her and her sons about as intensely as he hates his own dad and his brother Lucurioso. Vindice, disguised as Piatto, learns from Lucurioso that the virgin he desires is, surprise, his sister Castiza. Vindice vows to kill Lucurioso, but decides to test his sister and mother's virtue anyway. Antonio's wife commits suicide, and then Antonio displays her dead body to fellow mourners, and Hippolyta swears all those present to revenge her death. 
In Act 2, Vindice, still disguised as Piatto, tests the virtue of his sister and his mother. Castiza proves resolute, but his mother yields to an offer of gold. Lucurioso resolves that he must sleep with Castiza that same night, because bitch is thirsty. Yep. Hippolito and Vindice, by chance, overhear a servant tell Spurio of his brother's plan to bed Castiza. Spurio rushes away to kill Lucurioso while he's getting it on, but that would ruin the brothers' plans. So instead, as Lucurioso is on his way to Castiza, Vendice warns him that Spurio is betting the Duchess. Lucurioso then rushes off to find Spurio in bed with his stepmother, only to find that it is, in fact, his father lawfully in bed with the Duchess. So the Duke and Duchess are sleeping together because they're married, and that's, like, normal. This is, like, super fucking complicated. Lucurioso yep. is then arrested for attempting treason because he, like, rushes into the bedchamber with, like, a dagger and he's like, I'm going to kill you. Wait, it's my dad. Okay. Yep. Um, Ambitioso and Super Vacuo pretend to be sad to see Lucurioso executed, but they are not sad because the air is out of the way. And so then they are into it, right? That's how it works. Yeah. The Duke gives them a fake warrant for his death, but then secretly sends a message to have Lucurioso released. <laughs> I know. It's so underhanded. Okay. Act three. Ambitioso and Super Vacuo. I just, that stupid name. Uh, set off to the prison in order to, uh, on the order of the instant execution of Lucurioso. But unbeknownst to them, Lucurioso has been freed before their arrival. They still give orders to the prison guards who misinterpret those orders and take instead the youngest son, a junior. junior out to instant execution instead of Lucurioso. Meanwhile, Vindice is hired again as a pander, but this time by the Duke himself. Instead of bringing him a real lady person, he creates this weird sex doll using the skull <laughs> of his intended that he's just been carrying around this whole time, which is covered with poison. The meeting is in a dark and secret place near to where the Duchess has arranged a rendezvous with Spurio. The Duke is then poisoned because he's kissing the skull, ugh, and after being forced to watch the Duchess be betray him with Spurio and like he's dying because the poison is like eating his face, the DJ stabs him. Ambitioso and Super Vacuo gloat over a freshly severed head that they think is Lucurioso's, but when Lucurioso himself appears, they realize to their dismay that the head is actually Junior Brothers. Oops. I just want to backtrack because you left out the best part of the Duke's oh. death, which is that they nail his tongue to the table oh right yeah of course to watch the yes. the yep. whoever fucking what they wife. do yeah Ugh. nails his tongue to the table anyway okay yep uh in act four La Lucurioso tells Hippolito that he wants to get rid of Piatto and asks Vindice if Vindice will replace Piatto. But then like it's the same person right because disguise yeah. okay so Hippolito uh, realizes that Lucurioso will not recognize his brother Vindice without a disguise because of early modern facial blindness, right? This is a thing. So yep. Vindice gets his new mission to kill Piatto, which is himself, because disguise, right? Okay. Yep. So Hippolito and Vindice take the corpse of the Duke and they dress it in Piatto's clothes so that when the corpse is found, it will be assumed that Piatto murdered the Duke and then switched clothes with him to escape. 
escape. Yeah. This cannot go wrong, and it's actually kind of a genius plan. Uh, Vindice and Hippolito confront their mother at knife point for her earlier willingness to prostitute Castiza. Mm-hmm. In Act 5, the scheme with the Duke's corpse is successful, and the Duke's death becomes public knowledge. Losurioso is the new Duke, and he banishes the Duchess, his stepmother. Vindice and Hippolito lead a group of conspirators, which shortly after the installation of Losurioso as Duke, kills him and his supporters in a weird dance. Then a second group of murderers come in dancing. That that group includes Super Vacuo, Ambicioso, and Spurio then arrives. They discover that their intended victims are already dead, and then they turn on and then kill each other. The dying Lucerioso tries but is unable to expose Vindice's treacheries to Lord Antonio before he, you know, with his last breath, who apparently is the only guy left alive in this kingdom now. Um, exhilarated by the success of his revenge, Vindice boasts to Antonio that he and his brother were the ones who did all that murdering. Antonio, appalled, condemns them to execution and they accept it. The end. Well, that was six minutes, but I'm not even mad because Neither am I. this play is so good and it's so, so good. fucking ridiculous and complicated, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's got so, some convoluted plotting. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. it does. If by yeah. convoluted you mean amazing. Yes, amazing, but also convoluted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and right. thank you for reminding me about the nailed the tongue to I the. I mean, it is like, it's a I good don't want to say that it's the most important thing that happens in this play, but I also don't want to say it's not the most important thing that happens in this yeah. play. Yeah. It's like, we're going to nail your tongue to the table so that you watch your wife fucking another guy, and then we're going to stab you in the back. Okay? okay. Yeah. Great. Wow. Okay. So right at the tippity top of that um, (laughs) is a moment that we're going to display for you now in a new feature we're calling A Taste of Text, where we read a small but crucial portion or a small scene from the play to give you a taste of its flavor. So to give you a taste of this very brutal scene we're going to pick up in the middle of, of Act 3, Scene 5, um, right before bad things, real bad things happen to the Duke. Okay, So just bear in mind that already in this scene, Vindice has revealed to his brother, look, I've put the very real and poisoned skull on like a dummy body, and I'm going <laughs> to present it to the Duke as a sex lady. God, I love this place so much. And like hide it in the dark and somehow he's not going to know that it's not a flesh and blood lady. <laughs> um, I don't know how he expects that plan to work, but apparently it does. So he must know the it Duke better than I do. So good. It's fine. Okay. Okay. So you're going to read Vindice. Yes. yes I shall I'm going to read the Duke. And also I'm going to do voices for Hippolyto. Yeah. When he uh, pipes in every when, once in a while. When he pipes in. Yeah. Um, cool. So the the opening stage direction for this part of the scene in my text is applying poison to the skull's lips. Yeah, that's roughly what mine says as well. Great. Okay. So, tis laid on. Now come and welcome, Duke. I have her for thee. I protest it, brother. Methinks she makes almost as fair a sign as some old gentlewoman in a periwig. Hide thy face now, for shame. Thou hadst need of a mask now. He says that to the skull. Tis vain when beauty flows, but when it fleets, this would come become graves better than the streets. You have my voice in that. 
Hark, the dukes come. Peace, let's observe what company he brings, and how he does absentum, for you know he will wish all private. Brother, fall you back a little with the bony lady. That I will. So-so, now nine years' vengeance crowd into a minute. You shall have leave to leave us, gentlemen, with this charge upon your lives. If we be missed by the Duchess or any of the nobles to give out were privately rid forth. Oh, happiness! With some few honorable gentlemen, you may say, you may name those that are away from court. Exunt gentlemen. Privately rid forth, he strives to make sure work on't. Your good grace. Piatto, well done. Hast brought her, what lady is it? Faith, my lord, a country lady, a little bashful at first, as most of them are, but after the first kiss, my lord, the worst is past with them. Your grace knows now what you have to do. She has somewhat a grave look with her, but... <laughs> I love that best, conductor. Have at all. In gravest looks the greatest faults seem less. Give me that sin that's robed in holiness. Back with the torch, brother. Raise the perfumes. How sweet can a duke breathe? Age has no fault. Pleasure should meet in a perfumed mist. Lady, sweetly encountered. I came from court. I must be bold with you. Oh, what's this? Oh, royal villain, white devil. Oh, brother, place the torch here that his affrighted eyeballs may start into those hollows. Duke, dost know yon dreadful visor? View it well. Tis the skull of Gloriana whom thou poisonedst last. Oh, tis poisoned me. Didst not know that till now? What are you two? Villains, all three, the very ragged bone has been sufficiently revenged. Oh, Hippolyto, call treason. Yes, my good lord, treason, 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 stomping on him. Then I'm betrayed. <laughs> Sorry. Alas, poor lecher, in the hands of knaves, a slavish duke is baser than his slaves. My teeth are eaten out. Hadst any left? I think but few. Oh, I think but few. <laughs> <laughs> Then those that did are eaten. Oh, my tongue! Your tongue? Twill teach you to kiss closer, not like a slobbering Dutchman. What the Dutch ever do to you, man? You have eyes still. Look, monster, what a lady thou hadst made me, my once betrothed wife. Is it thou, villain? Nay, then. Tis I, tis Vendice, tis I. And let this comfort thee. Our lord and father fell sick upon the infection of thy frowns and died in sadness. Be that thy hope of life. Oh! He had his tongue, yet grief made him die speechless. Puh, tis but early yet. Now I'll begin to stick thy soul with ulcers. I will make thy spirit grievous sore. It shall not rest, but like some pestilent man toss in thy breast. Mark me, duke. Thou art a renowned, high, and mighty cuckold. Oh! Thy bastard, thy bastard, rides a-hunting in thy brow. Millions of deaths! Nay, to afflict thee more, here in this lodge they meet for damned clips. Those eyes shall see the incest of their lips. Is there a hell besides this, villains? Villain? Nay, heaven is just. Scorns are the hires of scorns. I ne'er yet knew adulterer without horns. 
Once ere they die, tis quitted. La 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 la. Hark, some music. Their banquet is prepared. They're coming. Oh, kill me not with that sight. Thou shalt not lose that sight for all thy dukedom. Traitors, murderers. What, is not thy tongue eaten out yet? Then we'll invent a silence. Brother, stifle the torch. Treason, murder. Nay, faith, we'll have you hushed. Now, with thy dagger, nail down his tongue, and mine shall keep possession about his heart. If he but gasp, he dies. We dread not death to Quintin's injuries. Brother, if he but wink, not brooking the foul object, let our two hands tear up his lids and make his eyes like comets shine through blood. When the bad bleeds, then is tragedy good. Whist, brother, music's at our ear. They come. Dun, dun, dun. I love this play so <laughs> fucking much. Ooh, Vendice is so salty. I yep. love it. Yep. Oh, I love it so much. Yep. Uh, I love right. it so, so, so much. Should we should we talk about it a little bit now? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it now that you've gotten a taste of it. Mm. Ooh, a taste <laughs> the of tongue. It. <laughs> it's not thy tongue eaten yet? Oh, no. It's a very slow-acting poison. You know mm. what I think Middleton really nails that Shakespeare kind of doesn't or Shakespeare kind of does differently? It's What's just that? like straight-up sarcasm. Just like, mm-hmm. like that kind of that just bare, really not even thinly veiled, nasty sarcasm. I think Middleton does that really, really well. That's real. Yeah, that's but so anyway. real. Um, Anyhow, it's your turn to talk. So tell yeah, us yeah. some cool shit about this text. Well, I don't know how cool it is, but it's all informative. Okay. Um. So the play was first printed in 1607. And the title page tells us that it was sundry times acted by the Kingsmen. Mm-hmm. No author was attached to the play until 1656 when a homie named Edward Archer published a list of plays, which named Cyril Turner as the playwright for mm-hmm. Revenge's Tragedy. Um, Turner was, in fact, a bomb revenge tragedy writer. His play, The Atheist Tragedy, is incredible. We did we a mini-sode on that, right? Did a mini-sode yep. on that a couple summers ago. Yep. Uh, That's the one with the graveyard scene, yep. right? With the- yep. With the guy <laughs> yes. who dresses up as a ghost to get laid. Yes. Fucking Yes. works yeah. yeah uh we will do a full episode on that soon Eventually. <laughs> if not yeah. if not this season uh i think i well i still think we have tbds for the spring so i might yeah. executive decision that and assign it i wouldn't fight um, you on it yeah okay so Anyway, it's a great play. It's a fucking great play. Uh, So because of this guy, Edward Archer, who attached uh, Turner to the play, um, Turner was, in fact, attached to the play for like most of the next two centuries until W.W. Gregg pointed out that Archer was wrong about like two thirds of who he said wrote plays. (laughs) Um, Mm. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Like two thirds wrong. So maybe this is also wrong. Uh, critics in the 19th century started questioning Turner's authorship, but were like really not until the 19th century. Um, they suggested Webster and some others instead. In 1926, a guy called E.H.C. Oliphant published an article that argued for Middleton's authorship. Uh, his claims were persuasive-ish, but like they didn't really take hold until 1975, uh, when 
between David Lake and MacDonald P. Jackson, MacJack published independent studies analyzing the play at a textual level and amassing evidence that all pointed to Middleton. That attribution is now widely accepted, but it still, even from 1975 on, it's taken time to take hold because the two major single text editions of the play, which is The New Mermaids and something else, still identified Turner on their title pages and were slow to revise even in reprints. Mm. Uh, in 2007, Gary Taylor gave us the complete Middleton, which prints Revengers in the collection and uh, solidified Middleton's claim to the play. So that's a quick and dirty on the history of the authorship. Um, the precise date of composition is a little harder to nail down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reference in Act 2 to gunpowder in the court, which places composition after the gunpowder plot of 1605. Remember, remember the 5th of November? Yes. Um, it was probably also written before the theaters then closed for seven months in July 1606 because of a plague outbreak. So we're looking at a window of like, uh, was that eight months, seven months, eight, eight months? Most probably the play was written sometime between March and May of 1606 because Middleton borrows from two other Kingsmen plays, King Lear and Johnson's Volpone. After the theaters reopened in 1607, Middleton went back to writing for children's companies and didn't work for the Kingsmen again until 1611. So Hmm. most people think 1606 is when he wrote it. The critical history of the play is short, as we sort of teased earlier. The first professional production happened in 1965, which uh, was before I was born, but not all that much before I was born. Um, it happened at a place called the Pitlochry Festival or mm. Pitlochry, Pitlochry. I don't, I don't know. It's probably pronounced some other like totally yeah. counterintuitive way because that's how the British roll. But so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> Immediately after that, Trevor Nunn directed it for the RSC in 1966. Uh, that Trevor Nunn. <sighs> However, uh, this production like created new scenes. What? To flesh out some of the characters, most particularly the Duchess. Um, and as I understand it, this was at the direction of John Barton, who's the co-founder of the RSC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did huh. it again, the RSC, in 1987, starring Anthony Cher. Then, a lull. Uh, there were two <laughs> high-profile productions lull, in 2008. Like years. Yeah. Yep. yeah, like 30 years. 30 years. Well, like 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. I can math. Uh, So in 2008, two high-profile productions, one at the National Theatre starring Rory Kinnear uh, and the other at Manchester Royal Exchange. There has not really been a high-profile production since then, so fucking get on it, professional companies. Yeah, do that shit. Yeah. Um, I also want to stress here and nowhere else that this play is parody. Um, is it? Yeah. This is a send up of the genre of revenge tragedy. Says who? I mean, is this is this your spin on it? Is this your interpretation? No, or no, like... no, it's pretty it's pretty widely accepted. Okay. Um, yeah, it's and it it. I don't think it reads that way to us because we don't have we're not oversaturated in revenge tragedy. Revenge tragedy is not yeah. a genre that most modern people are familiar with. Right. Like, yeah. We don't spend time hanging out 
wearing black, talking to skulls and thinking about whether and how to avenge our father's most foul and unnatural (laughs) murder. Right. Unless you're Hamlet. Sure. Yeah. Like that's not a thing that we, you know, we are, our sort of like cultural genre is rom-com, right? Like that is a thing that every modern person in the world understands and sees and like, knows the notes and knows the uh-huh. the tropes and the yeah. what all of the notes you have to hit to be in a rom-com yep. right um we don't have that familiarity with revenge tragedy and so we miss it when we see it which it is this um okay. before we started before we hit record tonight right i was like yeah where's that part oh no that's spanish tragedy where's that part oh no that's spanish tragedy right because i yeah. because one reason is because I read both of those plays for the first time almost at the same time. I think one right after the other. So they run together in my head because of when I read them. Um, also because it's been a minute since I've read Spanish Tragedy. Also because they both have these wild and wonderful revenge tragedy tropes that you don't get in other genres and that are so specific to revenge tragedy, right? There is almost no other play that has these kinds of over-the-top, wild and wonderful uh, plot machinations to get everybody in the right places at the right time to die and these spectacular deaths, right? The only other play that I can think of that does these wonderful, spectacular deaths and has this great sort of final mask where everyone dies is Women, Boy, or Women, which is another revenge tragedy that Middleton wrote. Um, But it is not, in fact, uh, a send-up of the thing. So... um, Anyway, that's what I have to say. It's it's still a great play, and people fucking loved it. Um, yeah. But, like, as you were saying earlier, because it has everything that you need out of Revenge Tragedy. Because Middleton was writing it for that express reason. Okay. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. That helps a mm-hmm. lot of pieces drop into place for me. Um, gotcha, girl. Yeah. Uh, because I was like, oh, so, okay. Now... Knowing that it was intentionally parody, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can say what I need to say. One, okay, so from a production perspective, Middleton's verse here is kind of weird. All throughout this play, characters have short lines, which um, my edition attributes as, like, um, shared verse. Um, They don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to be, but, like, they are short short lines, which is strange. It's just a weird break from the form. And also the rhymes are terrible. Which now, again, makes sense. Like, that there are weird rhyming couplets in weird places. Not in, like, exit couplets. Not, you know, it doesn't really adhere to that form. Uh, It's just got, like, rhymes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay. That Oh, God, that makes so much more sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, uh, it's got that classic Middleton filth. Just filth. Yeah, it does. He's so... Mm -mm. Yes. And the thing about, like riding the sun riding the stepmother like it's so good Mm -hmm. um it's it's just got that classic like ribaldness of middleton which is super fun also these characters have names that literally translate from italian into 
basically what their ter- what their types are, which again yep. really makes sense now. Um, yep. Vendice literally means revenger. Lusurioso means lecherous. Spurio means bastard. Ambitioso <laughs> means ambitious. Super vacuo means useless and vain. <laughs> Duh. And and there's other characters like little tiny characters like Sordido, like mm-hmm. sordid, like yeah. well, Dondello, I mean, which means Castiza, foolish, like chase. Cast- yes, Castiza, which means yeah. chastity, right? Yeah. So so they all, you know, the characters are modeled on on these type of morality play tropes. Yeah. So not only is this parody, I think, of the revenge tragedy uh genre, it seems like also a jab at medieval morality plays in mm-hmm, that absolutely. way um, with especially like this terrible family the duke and his terrible terrible family all being like so evil and they seem to represent like the seven deadly sins like lechery vanity right uh, envy or ambition uh, right so they they follow that they fall into those categories at the same time vendice is like hamlet if hamlet were a sociopath so that's cool um <laughs> He's like what Hamlet would be if Hamlet were actually crazy. Uh, and he, yeah, Vendice does not have Hamlet's like ethical dilemmas. He's literally just been waiting nine years for a really perfect opportunity to take his revenge. So anyway, uh, I think maybe, maybe one of the reasons that this play has not been done very often anymore is because it is unreadable to a modern sensibility as a parody. And because it walks that line between tragedy and absolute farce, like I, I'm not sure a modern audience gets that. Um, so it's because you have two choices. You can either, you know, uh, try to do a, which apparently what they did at the RSC, which was try to round out some characters and make them less two dimensional. You know, so you can try that, but then you'd be like altering the text, and why would you do that? Or you got to really like lean into their hyperbole and and go for like the weird sort of black comedy of it all. Uh, and then it starts to turn into something like Fargo, I think is like the the nearest sort of um, dark comedy that you could compare it to. That said, the prolonged death of the Duke is gross and totally awesome. Have fun staging that. You need a slow acting poison that eats away his face. So that's great. Because uh, they show his dead face later and they're like, oh my God, it's been eaten away by the poison. The stage directions are super fun. Uh, not the ones that the editors have put in, but the ones that actually Middleton wrote, especially in Act 5, are really, really funny. Um, three dumb shows in that act, in Act 5, Scene 2. It's pretty fun. Also, Vendice is just carrying around a skull, kind of all the time. Um, whips her out of his back pocket. Uh, and the poisoned sex doll that he later attaches the skull to is pretty great. So your props department will have a lot of fun putting that together. Um, it's super gross. So that's great. She's got to be smelly, too. I mean, if he's had this skull for like nine years, that's got to be gross. I mean, I hope he boiled it down, but we don't know. And finally, I just, I need everyone to know that there is a movie adaptation of this play that I didn't know about until I went did a little research today, starring Christopher Eccleston as Vendice, Derek Jacobi as the Duke, and Eddie motherfucking Izzard as Lucurioso. It's from 2003. It's set in a dystopian Liverpool instead of Italy. It's only on DVD, so I have not been able to see it. But, like, if anyone has it or wants to see it, please get in touch. I want to know how it is. I'm super, super, super curious. Amazing. Um, 
That's exciting. It's very exciting to me. I think this play would be a ton of fun to produce, like a ton of fun. And I think I think you should lean fully into the farcical parody of a revenge tragedy and see what happens. Although it might still come across as tasteless. Just like, I don't know, but maybe that's good. Maybe just like go full Grand Guignol. Like, that'd be really fun. Yeah, that'd be lots of fun. So that's what I got. Great. Should we play a game? Yes. What's the game this week? Well, so I taught this play last spring uh-huh. uh, in my in my Britlet survey. My students loved it. They thought it was wild because it is. Uh, and as a bonus question on the final exam, I asked them to name three songs on Vindice's Spotify playlist. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and so I thought it might be fun if we did that and or I can read what they said. Okay. Well, let's you and I brainstorm a little bit and then Great. I'd love to hear your students' input as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. if we were going to make a, a, a Spotify playlist for Vindice, mm-hmm. um, let's see. I would put on mm-hmm. Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. <laughs> of course you would. Yeah, I would. Um, Not afraid to say it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I think I would put on uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane by Tom Petty mm-hmm. and the Heartbreakers. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, okay. Yeah. Um, I would add in <laughs> Turn Down for What? Which <laughs> 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 is uh, Lil... Yep. Is it Lil Wayne or Lil John? One of the Lils and DJ yeah. Snake. I can't believe yeah. I know DJ Snake, but I don't know which Lil it is. Neither can I, frankly. Yeah. Neither can I. Yeah. Um. Oh, I would put on um. Shit, what's the actual name of that song? The Beatle. It's a Beatles song, and I know it. Is it? It's not Mother Superior. Jump the gun. That's not the name of the song, but those are the words in the song. Mother Superior, jump the gun. I, I think that would be a good one. Cool. Yep. Uh, all right. My last contribution is going to be <laughs> another one bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yep. That's a good one. That's real good. Yeah. Um, I think I would pick, ooh, Heart-Shaped Box by Nirvana. Ugh, I hate Nirvana. Kicking it old school. It's good, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good it song. Makes sense. I'm into it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did your students have to say? Um, let me grab the. Sorry. Because they're young and hip. Okay. Um, uh, we have got uh, God's plan. Did sure. Okay. List, uh, That's Drake. Artist. Oh, it's okay. Drake. All right, Drake. Um, I'm with it. I'm hip. Fuck you. Dark, by CeeLo Green. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, the end by The Doors. Mmm, yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Rumor Has It by Adele. Mmm, okay. X's and O's by Ellie Goulding. And okay. And Mean by Taylor Swift. All right. All right. Uh, a lot of T-Swizzle fans up in this mm-hmm. bitch. Yeah, yeah. She's popular with the youths, I hear. Oh, you know what else I'd put on there? I'd put on You Oughta Know by Alanis Morissette. Oh, fuck Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is here's one. I will always love you. Huh? <laughs> okay. 
Right. Wait, Whitney or Dolly? Does it matter? It doesn't specify. Okay. Um, Toxic by Britney. All right. Sure. Also, okay. Bye 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 by InSync. Ah! <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh huh. Something called Untouchable. They do not list a, an artist for that. Oh, I think I know which one that is. Untouchable, untouchable. I think it's that song. Yeah. I forget who I forget who the artist is though. I've heard it on the radio. I'm so old. <laughs> yeah. I'm so fucking old. Um, I think I heard that bop on the radio. Murder on my mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Right. That one checks out. That's yeah. good. Uh, to do to do to do like a virgin. <laughs> That's a good Castiza song. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what they said. It's like a virgin. The mother's attempt to persuade Castiza to sex uh-huh. with L. To sex. Um, <laughs> yep, shape that's great. of you. Shape of you. Okay. Which is. That's that Ed Sheeran nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh huh. Paint it black. Ooh yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the only one they put. Yeah. Yeah. There's okay. a lot good of good stuff, stuff in there. Good stuff. I don't need good to stuff. Go I feel like 35. that should be this should be a recurring game. Right? It's a good like game. Making picking a character, making a playlist for them. We should come yes. up with a name for that. Also, hat tip to my friend Courtney Parker because I stole that from her final exam that she yeah. uses. She I think she has them build a, a playlist for Satan from Paradise Lost. So Oh. Right on. But I don't teach Paradise Lost because I don't like Milton. So yeah. um but anyway. Cool idea. I love yes. that. Yeah, because it right. shows that they understand theme, like they yep. understand the connections enough to. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's very smart, Courtney. She's a smart cookie. That's why I keep her around. Also, because she's cute as hell. Also, because I love her. Um. Anyway, so well, that we was say <laughs> we say a lot of things on this podcast, and sometimes we misspeak or misinterpret information or just plain get things wrong. So when we realize that we have been wrong, we say that we were wrong. So uh, some time ago i said that gary taylor was the founder of my graduate program the Strode program at the university of alabama and i was wrong apparently <gasps> he was fired like, like the third director of the program uh, uh, maybe the second i don't know um uh-huh. it was founded by a guy named david lee miller oh. my bad I don't know, I've never okay. heard of him he's a spin not to be confused so. with johnny lee miller that or actor. david lee roth <laughs> Or David Lee Roth. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Neither All of right. those guys yeah. founded the Hudson Stroke yeah. program. Nope. Okay. Neither of those guys. Uh, well, so oops. Yeah. Should we then gossip now? Yes. You're, gotta... You've brought all the gossip to the so, yard today. I everything don't, that I've not heard of any of these. Fell through my Twitter feed today. Love um, it. I okay. Love it. So first thing, the biggest thing, Jonathan Hope uh, thinks that he has found a new source for Othello. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna throw all of these links up on the mm-hmm. website in the show notes, so check them out. Um, but it's, yes. he wrote this essay for Medium, um, 
and it's so it's predicated on a line in act three scene three uh where athilo says oh curse of marriage that we can call these delicate creatures ours and not their appetites i had rather be a toad and live upon the vapor of a dungeon dungeon than keep a corner in the thing i love for others uses and so uh Mm -hmm. jonathan hope was reading this and he's like keep a corner sounds like like a proverbial kind of phrase like like this this is not Shakespeare didn't invent this right this sounds yeah. like something that early moderns would have yeah. said so yeah. he went looking for it and he found it in a bunch of places uh but one in particular anyway um we'll link to the article and you can read it it's fascinating it's fascinating mm, um yeah. and like really interesting so way to go Jonathan Hope uh number two is a post on the Folger Shakespeare Library's blog, Collation is what their blog uh-huh. is called, uh, by Catherine Vermeer Santos, who is a short-term fellow there right now. What up, Katie? Um, and she uh, f- didn't find, right, because it's been cataloged, it's in the, the Folger's library, it, it exists, we know about it, um, but has been working with uh, a 1623 printing of a spanish english dictionary Uh um and this particular edition is like wildly annotated like you gotta go look at the pictures they're it's bonkers um and she figured out that most of the annotations correspond to like line numbers in don quixote and it's it's a concordance for the spanish in don quixote which is also really fucking cool that is so cool. It's I'm looking really at the cool. pictures right now while you're yeah, talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like all of that marginalia I'm looking at, that uh-huh. is someone who has gone in and made yep. Don Quixote notes in that yep. Spanish English dictionary. That's oh, exactly that's so it. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it like also it was excised from its original binding and rebound with like scratch paper in between so that they uh-huh. could also like if you Ooh, see the, the facing page yeah. is like Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they can just make little notes. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Yeah. So go check that out. It's a really, it's a short post. It's a lot of pictures. It's really cool. Yeah. And then the final thing is, and full disclosure, I haven't actually tried to play this, so I don't know if it works in the United States, uh, but I, I imagine it does because it's a .com website. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, Heather Knight, who is the senior archaeologist at the Museum of London Archaeology, uh-huh. MOLA, um, has done a 24-minute, uh, I'm unclear if it's video or just audio, on The oh, Theater. Oh, it's Yeah. Uh-huh. The, so The Theater, capital The, capital Theater. Yes, James uh, Burbage's Theater. Yes, James Burbage's yeah. Theater. It's the first, uh, first question mark, purpose-built playhouse yep. in England. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they're excavating it in London right now. It's so fucking cool. Uh, and there's like a whole little thing on it that you can go check out this is if people are familiar with the lore of the globe and how the globe was built mm-hmm. um james burbage owned the materials of mm-hmm. the theater he owned mm-hmm. the theater itself in shoreditch mm-hmm. um, but he did not own the land it was leased on so when the lease uh you know expired in the mid 1590s uh that is when he and his sons richard and cuthbert burbage 
um, went to find that's when they that's when they found the Blackfriars Playhouse or they refurbished the monastery which would become the Blackfriars Playhouse which they then were not allowed to use because the neighbors in that neighborhood complained um, which is why they needed to disassemble the theater put it across the river in Southwark and rebuild it and rename it as the Globe. Um, yeah. the The legend has it that this happened in the dead of night, in one night in in the winter of 1599, yep. uh, that they disassembled it and then rebuilt it, which is impossible. But um, it did happen in 1599. It just didn't happen in one night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the theater is like the bones, the skeleton bones of the first Globe Theater. Yeah. So check it out. Yeah. It's cool. It's really it's cool. Very very cool. Yeah. So all of those. Wow, things- that's so awesome. Up on our website. Yeah, 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 yeah. We will put the links up. That is fascinating. I can't top that. That's some amazing stuff happening in the Shakespeare world. Um, Yeah, yeah, man. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We hope you leave this podcast more informed than when you started. Tune in next week. We're doing Coriolanus 201, and we have a super awesome special guest, our first guest this season. Yeah, we're so excited about it. Yeah. Okay. Old Dad dead? I, one of his cast sins, will send the fate's most hearty commendations by his own son. I'll tug in the news stream till strength be done. Whamlet out. (laughs) Old Dad dead. So good. If you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends, rate us, leave us a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For show notes and other fun stuff, visit our website at www.hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. Get in touch with us. Tell us what you're working on and thinking about. You can email us at holla at hurlyburlyshakespeareshow.com. You can also find us at hurlyburlyshakes on Instagram. Or hurlyburlyshake on Twitter. Hurley Burley Shakespeare Show is produced and edited by Aubrey Whitlock and Jess Hamlet. All opinions you heard are strictly our own and not affiliated with the institutions we represent. And the sound effect for that is the flicking of pages, which I still maintain sounds like a fart. Well, it does when you do it like that. Well, it's the only book I've got right in front of me. All right, let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Let me try. Still sounds like a fart. Okay, wait. All right, let me try. Everything sounds like a fart. It doesn't. We're going to get it. We're going to get That is not the sound. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Wait. Are you yep. ready? Yep. Are you ready? Yep. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Bring hang it on, on Hamlet. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Let me. I don't have enough room on my desk. This giant book ass that makes book. like a really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. You try. Yep. Yeah, but I feel like that's so slow.